Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hello, folks. Father Nathan here. We just recorded, so we're just going to say everything we just said again. <laughs> Father Nathan's really tired. Night, night, Father Nathan. We'll see what an outline of the banter that we had throw away. Yeah, exactly. He uh, he's, he's actually not feeling well. So. Thank you. Poor guy. Poor chap. But he, summer colds are the worst. Oh, summer colds are the worst. Yeah, it, feedback is back. <laughs> this it, thing oh, is so janky. Right. I we, can deal. It actually, I think it actually gets me to speak slower. I don't oh yeah, that yeah, yeah. I pressed the wrong button and screwed <laughs> everything up. Classic, <laughs> idiot, you idiot. So yeah, we're uh, we're a little bit tired here. We're in the three hundreds, so we're kind of mature now and uh, yeah, right. aged, wise, <laughs> tired. Into the three hundreds of podcasts. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah so. We, uh, we're also starting late tonight because Father Nathan cooked a fine meal, but these things, you know, they take time, yeah. don't they? Yep. What did you put on the uh, Brussels sprouts? <laughs> now he's awake. I made a balsamic <laughs> reduction with cinnamon and honey. And I accidentally was cleaning and threw away the remainder of the balsamic and almost ended our friendship. So. <laughs> that was like 20 bucks worth of balsamic. I know, I know. Everything is victim to being cleaned in that kitchen when it's just laying out, though. So That was a beautiful domestic moment that I walked in on. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful is one way of describing it. So it's funny, I like Brussels sprouts because my father True. is not a fan. So do you remember mm-hmm. that story? Yeah. Uh, I said to Mary Nepple, I said... Um, what are we having for dinner? And she's like, well, we're having this, this, and we're having Brussels sprouts. But as soon as your dad walks in, he's going to say, Brussels sprouts, barf. And then he comes home and he's like, hey, bear, gives her a kiss. And he goes, Brussels sprouts, barf. That's a sign of a couple that know each other very well. Yeah. So we'll get there someday. They were good. Yeah. yeah my, my buddy, uh, shout out to Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald, uh, a local comedian, but he was the, he's my friend. He's like 60 something. He bounced for the Rolling Stones in the 70s. He's kind of a renaissance man, and he's a veterinarian now. He had some show on Animal Planet for years, but I've gotten to know him well enough where he does like sometimes tell the same jokes yeah. over, and, and he just over and over again, he feels just like grandpa. Yeah. Like I, I know that if I talk about his, I don't know if this is appropriate for the podcast, but if you talk about anything, if the show comes up, he'll say, oh yeah, like people would literally send me shoes. Like New Balance paid for him to wear shoes on the show. And as long as he wore them on the show, they gave him like 40 pairs of New Balance shoes just to wear on the show, this reality show he had. And then he says, I did one show with my zipper down the whole time, but that's okay because, you know, TV adds 10 pounds. There you go. And he just, he's every single time the show comes up, he tells that same joke. Like, so wow. that's a uh, that's a code sign. Father Nathan needs some New Balance shoes. So there we go. Instead yeah. of uh, Big League Chew, man, we have been getting shipments these last few days. True. It's crazy. We were just cataloging them. You will get a thank you card in the next three to four years, I promise. <laughs> but it was just unbelievable so, and or a shout out yeah we're well stocked Makes it easier yeah exactly us. shout outs kind of our preferred thank yeah. you but yeah we speaking of the 70s we were back in 1985 this afternoon watching the wedding singer awesome awesome i think the main reason we watched it though was so you could kind of identify with robbie who's the character with the mullet who drives the limo something like it yeah, yeah. it was they had this kind of bonding moment every time he'd come out go boy go yeah <laughs> oh yeah but the music is what makes that movie, I think. So yeah. yeah, it's like a soundtrack. What's the uh, what modern movie we're talking about? The soundtrack makes Guardians. it. 
Yeah, yeah Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not a big like fantasy movie with modern music, but Guardians pulled it off very well. One of the biggest things, there's a, a movie from the 80s called Lady Hawk. Do you guys remember that movie? Never saw that Oh, one. it's a great movie. Michelle Pfeiffer when she was like really young. And um, so it's like he plays, I forget the guy's name, but the, these two, this couple is in love and this evil cardinal decides to curse them so that during the day... Cardinal is in Bishop? Cardinal is in Bishop, yeah. So he, he's the bad guy. And so he falls in love with, with Michelle Pfeiffer's character. And like when I was a kid, I watched this all the time, I never kind of got the, the jab of the church. But so she is a hawk during the day and he's a human and as soon as it changes he turns into a wolf and she turns into a human so they only see each other as two humans for like 30 seconds and then they kind of hang out with each other the rest of the time but the, the only way the curse can be broken is if the cardinal sees them both as human beings so they get this kid called mouse and i forget his name i think he's the kid from um ferris bueller oh really who's that guy yeah, who's that? Like a, if only father greg was Matthew here Robert. he would know yeah, Matthew Butterick. He plays. He's like a kid in that movie, and he plays this little like kind of their helper that tries to get them. Anyway, I love the movie, but it's so the '80s music is just so distracting oh, yeah. to kind of the fantasy. Of we the were movie. talking to the uh, local pool guy, Bill, who uh, about movies in the '80s that freaked us out, and I forget what yours was. Silver Bullet. Princess Bride. Is that what it was? Silver, Silver Bullet. Silver oh, Bullet. Mine was uh, Lost Boys. That movie we watched okay. it at Danny Holly's. Oh man. No man, we just totally could not sleep after that, and we were drinking Jolt. You remember Jolt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Have one of those. You're gonna <laughs> stay up for about seventy-two hours. This is before rock stars, you know. Those yeah. are the days. So and surge and surge. Yeah, yeah. yeah the '80s, you know, with all the stuff we watched and uh, all the food we ate. It's amazing we ended up fairly normal. I don't know. Pop rocks. Not obese. It's not what I said. What is it? I got bas- reduction basalmic all over my arm. It's like a tattoo. Well, maybe it's like the stuff you threw away. <laughs> oh, too soon. Airing dirty laundry here. Schloss Goebbels like house. 50 cents of balsamic reduction on your arm. That's there. right. It's about a buck 50 actually on my arm. Nasty, nasty. I cooked you some good chicken. You do. I it's, hate cooking chicken. That's all I can do is cook chicken. So, Well, speaking of the galaxy, I brought with us tonight the totality glasses to prepare us for the eclipse that's nice. coming. So nice. you can kind of slide these on. This could be like a code sign, like I'm really bored right now. So nice. test them out here during the like uh, You can't see anything if you put them on. All you can see is... Goble can moon us and we'll actually be able to see clearly. <laughs> no, you'll be able to see. There you go. <laughs> galaxy glasses. These are from Bob Cranny, who is like, this is what's amazing about people. This guy's like the premier physical therapist in Boulder. He's got five clinics, and we're sitting at dinner a couple, maybe two weeks ago. And he says, I tell him we're going up to watch the eclipse, like nice. the rest of the universe is going to. And uh, he drives these things down for us. So wow. Here's to you, Bob Cranny. Yeah, I can't see a darn thing. Well, oh, wait, there we go. Now we can look at the sun. If I, if I look at the loon lamp that's on, I can see the fil- like the filament. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can <laughs> see the loon lamp. <laughs> but that's all I can see. Yeah, this is going to be a deterrent for sure. I, can't, <laughs> I can't see my computer. It says safe for, for direct, direct solar viewing. Eclipse yeah. shades. These things are awesome. Well, we are in luck. Education, perspective, inspiration. Yes, Story times for kids. space. I was uh, getting a little excited about the... Uh, the stars, I was up in the Chicago Basin, laying out under stars with 
Ryan and Trevor Kent, and uh, we were looking, and we were 40 miles from any town. Nice. And it was like unbelievable to see the whole Milky Way. Oh, yeah. I can identify about one constellation if I'm lucky. But uh, I wish some of these guys know this stuff, you know. I guess Chris Considine's kind of the well, you, you star do it master. To impress girls, and we're that's, way beyond that. That's so. it. Yeah. Speaking of that, I think my favorite comment from last week's podcast or two weeks ago, Paul Palumbo texts Becca and says, <laughs> "I have a new name for scenes from the Italian restaurant. It should be called." Four celibate men attempting a conversation with a woman, <laughs> which I thought was extremely condescending and very funny at that the same time. Funny. So, yeah, we are very happy <laughs> to. Uh, away. No, we are. I wouldn't let Becca edit that one because it was her final one. So we yeah. actually fired her two days before she quit because it was kind of funny. We made a big would, deal about her being our last one to edit, and then and we're like, I, and never I wouldn't mind. let her do it because she would have cut out. About an hour and three minutes of the hour and six minute uh, podcast. So. But you guys are very nice. Listeners are very nice. We had a, a lot of good uh, people saying on the Facebook page that they were going to pray for her and yeah. you know they'll pray for her for on out. So well, we're She'll we're very covered. grateful. We're trying to show our gratitude. Might not have been the smoothest way, but uh, that's what you get for mixing up with us. So this podcast that we're recording will be the first one done by yeah. Molly Tynan. Nice. So Molly Tynan. Uh, who's a senior at Benedictine College, one of our favorite families here in town, the Tynans. And uh, we just bought tickets today, didn't we? Sadly, yes. Sadly, yes. <laughs> oh, to go to Benedictine? Yep. So, uh, Katie. Tell them how you asked me that. Uh, well, I'll tell the backstory first. So, we have a, a supposedly, supposedly, we'll find out. <laughs> That's how I say it, too. Yeah. Supposedly. supposedly. Is, it, is there a D in there? There's the D, yeah. Supposedly, the uh, there's a big fan base at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. Y'all better show up. Y'all better show up. <laughs> so, Katie Roberts and Molly Tynan were uh, honest about you got to come to Benedictine. You got to come to Benedictine. There's this great women's outreach called Fiat that Molly started, and Katie's like, you got to do a live podcast. And I made the fatal mistake of saying, if you get the president of the university to write us and invite us. Then we'll come. Wow. And she wanted Nathan, and I said, yeah, he'll come for sure. So I basically made a promise on your behalf before asking you, which I think is a bad decision. Yeah. I didn't, you know, we never did marriage prep or anything like that, but it just seems <laughs> like relationships should not involve these things, whether, you know, platonic or marital, whatever kind of relationship. So anyways, I bamboozled him, and we're doing it. No, no, no. We're doing it. Wasn't bamboozled. You said uh, at dinner last night. You said, "Hey, I have a crazy idea. Do you want to hear about it now or later?" And I knew exactly what it meant. It had something to do with you wanting me to do something that I don't normally want to do. Uh, you were just going to drop it on me in the middle of everything, and I was having a very nice dinner with Andrea and Sunit, and I was like, "You know what? I think I'll wait." And so he decided to ask me on the way home. I believe the answer, the first question he asked when I said, I have a proposal for you. And he said, does it involve work? And I said, uh, <laughs> yes. And he goes, I don't want to hear about this right now. Exactly. <laughs> so he enjoyed his street tacos at Mas Chaos. And then, uh, and then for somehow, some way, he said yes. And we bought tickets before he could change his mind. So, Well, it took so, me about four months trying to convince him to go to the Anaheim Religious Ed Congress. Well, yeah. And the other thing is, I said... If there are less people 
if there are less people or the same number of people that showed up for the Anaheim conference right. that show up for this Benedictine thing, you can't ask me to do anything for the next three years. Whoa. There'll be more. They're ben- be- y'all better show up. Butter. Raven. So there needs to be 30. How many were there? There, I mean, we probably had 50 people. Yeah. Tops. Word on Fire had like 400 people. <laughs> 2,000 people went and listened to Bishop Bob Barron. Is that surprising though, honestly? No. So, so I'd, I, like I, to, I'd like to thank President Steve Minnis because he sent us a very nice, nice email and I was just shocked. So yeah. we're going to Benedictine College. Well, and shout out to Lizzie Darrow. She's a friend of mine that's there. Lizzie oh. Elizabeth Darrow. I was going to say yeah. Lizzie Darrow. Lizzie sister. Darrow. Yeah, this is Leah's little sister. Leah's yeah. little sister. Oh, very nice. We'll tell her to come. So 29 more people we need to recruit for this. Actually, Molly right. and Katie will be I'm gonna, here. I'll, I'll text her right now. And there, say, you there you go. There you go. thing. Well, when's the date? Uh, the 20th, 20th. 20th of September. All right. Benedict and September. College, Guys so. and girls? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Please. So. Oh, it's it's way too late in Natchez and Kansas right now to text. <laughs> that is true. Well, they're probably up. It doesn't yeah, feel so late. That's, uh, true. that's true. Yeah, that's true. They're college kids. They're up until like four. Lizzie's responsible. Well, there you go. All right. <laughs> I've been notoriously called out for bad transition out, <laughs> out of the uh, yep, banter. I'm done with this conversation. Yep. So uh, even though it's my topic, just I'm going to just say dies. that was the transition. It just naturally <laughs> kind of... Boom. Yeah. Good. Okay, there we go. Do you want to banter about anything else? Yeah. I've already done this twice since I screwed up the uh, recording. So speaking of restaurants and blessing them... Yeah, there we go. I was, uh, one of my buddies is opening up a restaurant. He owned the cigar bar I went to, and then he just sold that, and because he loves pizza, yeah, that's his yeah. passion. I'm sorry? What? The name. So I wanted, it's a pizza place. I wanted Pontius Pie, which oh, I ooh. thought would have been hilarious. Oh, <laughs> but it ended up being, it, I thought it was going to be like a, a basic pizza place. This is like a nice Italian restaurant. I mean, it is beautiful inside, and the food is amazing. They got one of the executive chefs from Elway's to come cook Italian food for this place. Ooh, it's nice. called Viale. Viale, V-I-A-L-E, yeah. Pizza and Kitchen, opens to the public on Monday, this coming Monday. So go check out Viale. Anyway, um, they had a soft opening with like three or four nights, and I went to three of those four nights of soft opening. I got like... Free food the first night for a VIP night, and then I get $20 off the next two nights. And then they're closed for three days, and then they're opening. Anyway, I blessed it maybe three nights ago before they open. We put up an icon on the wall. So if you walk in there, look at the bar, look at the far-right TV, and you'll see the mother of God peeking out from behind the far-right nice. TV in the bar. But I, I blessed it, and I went like full Byzantine on this. I went full cassock, epitrochelian cross. And it was a microcosm of people's perceptions of the priesthood and of Catholicism and of things being blessed. So the place had was full of customers, but all people they knew because it was a soft opening. And then I had my buddy Dan and his wife Erica that owned the place, and they were all about it. They loved me being there. They loved me blessing it. But like the kitchen staff generally wouldn't look me in the eye. Oh, yeah. Some of the customers were looking and were like just ecstatic about it because I, mean, I was flinging holy water everywhere. So I mean, I was throwing all of the customers all over the kitchen all over the TVs, all over the booze. And um, it, it got me thinking about 
because I don't normally wear my Byzantine cassock in public, and that's kind of kind of a trend. But I wear the way I what I wear, as you guys know, is a like Roman clerics, but with my collar open, and that's generally what I wear. But and a sweet belt buckle, yeah, and a, and a, and a Byzantine reader's belt, yeah, yeah, which is it has Psalm ninety in Cyrillic in uh, all written around it, which is a, a great belt. Actually, I'm wearing it now. There yeah. you go. Um, so I, and and a vest because it breaks up the very gray shirts I wear and the, and the black pants. So anyway, um, it, w- it was an interesting, like watching people in a little five minute blessing of a restaurant, watching people's reactions to someone who's doing something very different than what they're used to. And I was singing the Draparia for Theophany and I was doing what I always do. Um, and it was just, it was really cool to see. And I had a friend there that I brought with me and she was kind of like scoping out people even more than I could as I was blessing it. Um, but I, I got thinking about, Initially, I wore my clerics with my collar open because it was more comfortable, and I was just hedonistic, I guess. I I, I didn't want to close. It was just I have a very big neck for my body, so I, I kept it open. But now I've realized that it's a really good uh, thing for evangelization because people – they uh, they take a second glance to see that I'm a priest. Mm. Like the collar's open, and they'll see the collar open. So at first glance, if I had it closed, they'd go, oh, that's a priest. But with it open, they kind of go, are you a priest? And so people come up to me and talk to me all the time, and they ask, are you a priest? And that's always the opening for a conversation. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to... I, I have some articles up here, and certainly my own perceptions, but I've been a priest 12 years. You guys have been a priest... How many years? Six. Six and three. Three. So, like, what have been people's reactions, positive and negative, to you wearing clerics in public? I mean, there are some times where people are really happy to see a priest, you know. Um, They're kind of shocked. I've had it where I've worn my clerics on a plane, and somebody comes up and says, you know, are you the former priest of... St. Francis Cabrini, and it's like, yeah, and then uh, you you did my aunt's funeral or something mm-hmm. like that. Really appreciate it, whatever. <clears throat> and then you have other times where people will look at you. Like, the place that I always think of is, like, Whole Foods yeah. on, um, it's closed now, right? The Whole Foods right next to the Companions House. Oh, Cap house. Hill. Yeah. Yeah. If you walked into Cap Hill Whole Foods with your clerics on, it was like, you just let out a fart at a funeral. Like, <laughs> why are you here? And why did you yeah. totally kill the good buzz that we had yeah. going? And I'm like, just buying some blood oranges. Right. <laughs> See ya. So. I was in uh, St. Mark's Coffee Shop uh, recently. Yep. Seventeen French with yeah. Mademoiselle Masterson. And uh, yeah, like 90% of the people just kind of glare. Kind of a glare, kind of a mm-hmm. shock. Kind of like, what? Yeah. But then there's that 10% that are really intrigued. And so there's these two great baristas who work there, Garrett and Chris. Shout out. And uh, yeah, they definitely do not listen to the podcast. But we just <laughs> talked for a, we talked for a long time, and they gave me a free coffee. I hadn't been there in a couple of years. and But um, yeah, they remember the priest. And it's just kind of an intriguing thing. So I think a lot of times, I hate to say this, but the fallen away Catholics are the ones yeah. who I think glare the most. The ones yeah. who are completely... Yeah. Unchurched, no idea, just very interested. Like, what? Yeah. What are you? And kind of, there's an openness, but there's this like baggage with like you know, if they grew up or they left yeah. the church, or there's kind of the the non-Catholic Protestant thing where it's just like you guys are just these freak yeah. celibates walking around. And so, yeah, it's it it does kind of 
And coming back from Rome has been really interesting because mm-hmm. I live in a place where there are thousands of priests. We're yeah. kind of part of the scenery, you know. And even when you come to Rome, you expect to see priests, nuns walking around. So it's uh, it's definitely an interesting transition just coming back to the States and yeah. walking around in clerics. So I've had overwhelmingly positive experiences. Mm-hmm. Now, like even blessing this restaurant, I had a lot of people that wouldn't look me in the eye, but there was there was only one person who like kind of gave me a glare. Like this, this is somehow offensive to me. But Father Peter Musset from Lanky Guys at, at Andrea's consecration, he said that he was at a one of like his high school roommates' weddings, totally secular wedding. Right. He was wearing his cassock. I don't know if he told you guys the story, but he says he was walking down the hall and this girl approached him and was like, "You shouldn't wear that in public. So many people have been hurt by the church." that it is offensive to see a priest wearing his clerics in public. And she was really offended by this. And and so he had a conversation with her and said, you know, I, I would encourage you to be more open-minded. And then in typical Father Peter style, he says, and then I just broke it down on the dance floor. Like, if you can't beat him on the dance floor, you can't beat him anywhere. That's right. But, but, but he was... That, that I've had maybe two really negative experiences. One of them was this this kid looked to be about 16, 17 years old who I, I kind of broke up an argument he had downtown. And it was, um, I was like wearing a jacket over my clerics. So I uh, there was this girl just crying on the street, like on the 16th Street Mall. And this kid was like over her yelling at her. And I was I just walked up to kind of let her know that somebody was there. And he turns around and looks at me and he says, hey, sir, sir, like everybody drinks and drives, right? Everybody does it. And I could tell she was young, but she was drunk. And he was trying to convince her to drive. And so I said, hey, look, my mom's best friend was killed by a drunk driver, which is true. And, you know, you don't, I was just talking to her. I was like, I should ignore this kid. Well, so then he realizes, well, okay, I'm not on his side. So I think he gets afraid I'm going to snitch on him. So he gets kind of like overly aggressively affectionate with me like you're cool dude right you're cool well he's like patting me on the chest while he's doing this kind of aggressively and my jacket opens up and he sees my collar and then he just has a complete meltdown Mm. he like throws me against the wall this little kid and but then he gets right in my face and starts yelling you know hit me father you're you're a pedophile and you're this and you're that and you're just yelling everything you can at me on the street and then he starts like screaming this thank god screaming this like satanic stuff so all those walkers by were like okay there's something wrong with this kid um and then i had another time at a coffee shop where the owner of the coffee shop actually this was on 17th but mm-hmm. it wasn't st mark's she went off i mean she actually smacked me on the chest a couple times too only because I was wearing my clerics. There was nothing else. I didn't even say anything. I was there with a friend just trying to get coffee. And she came outside the counter and was like accusing me of being pro-war and all these things only because I was wearing clerics. But other than that, overwhelmingly positive in 12 years. Absolutely. One of my favorite uh, experiences in the clerics, this is when I was a seminarian and we were walking the stational churches. So we were walking to the seven different churches downtown. So I think we were like uh, not too far from Holy Ghost downtown. And I'm leading a group of high school kids from Cabrini and I'm in the cler I'm in clerics, but this like this big guy walks up and he's just like in my face and he's like, Man, you wanna buy this radio? And I'm like, I don't we don't want to buy your radio. And he's like, Buy this radio, he's like thirty dollars. And it's just like in my face, in my face, and finally I kinda turn and I said, We don't want to buy this radio and he goes, <gasps> You're a pastor. I'm sorry. I said he's. I didn't steal it, and he says I did steal it. He makes this confession. <laughs> he, he says, "Take it, just take it." And he's trying to hand me this boombox, and I'm like, oh well, "I don't, gosh. I don't want it. Just it's fine." But it was like the collar. I yeah. think it was probably a Baptist thing or something. But yeah. 
the collar for him just totally like yeah. ignited his conscience in a really kind of funny way. But in Boulder, it was much worse. Yeah. I had similar experiences to the coffee shop and in in bars and stuff. It was just like people really get uh, can can really get aggressive, yeah. um, but not always, you know. So that that makes me think there was a story. I it was a few years back, but it was in the Esquire magazine. Did you guys ever read this? The guy he wrote an article called "What Happened When I Dressed Like a Priest," and it's just this this uh, journalist. And he dressed, I think, in five different uniforms. And then he went out and walked to the street to get people's reactions. I didn't read the whole thing. I only read the part about a priest. But if you guys can look, listeners, look it up, Esquire, what happened when I dressed as a priest? His experience was incredible. It was like one day, and he went to pretty much a costume shop and, and got a cassock, a priest cassock. And he just went throughout one day dressed as a priest in a cassock absolutely overwhelmingly positive. And this is in Chicago. Hmm. So you walked through Chicago, but um, the very last part of the article, and it was kind of tying what you said, uh, Father John, um, he says, I watched a loud and lousy sleight of hand magician working a trick involving a signed $20 bill and a lemon. I stood off to the side, hands clasped behind my back, trying to look ponderously unthreatened by magic. Then I saw the magician's move very clearly. The very moment he jams the rolled up 20 into the lemon, just like that, busted. For a moment, I thought it might be the mindset of a priest taking over. Or maybe he wanted the priest to see because he winked at me a second later. And that's exactly what it was. He shares later on that this guy actually let him see the trick because mm-hmm. it was some sort of, there, there's a presence that there's a priest here who's going to see through anything I do. And so I'm going to show him as kind of the benefit of, of seeing the magic trick. And he finishes after going throughout the day, trying to please everybody who walked up to him, wanting something that a priest could offer. He says, I was exhausted. Father Tom, his name was Tom. He was just, um, he wasn't a priest. Father Tom walked to the food cart, bought a tamale, waved to a tour bus that honked at him. They waved back to both decks. And he tells many, many stories about people coming up to him, asking for a blessing, people just smiling, taking selfies. And and the, the, the two parts that he talks about especially was it was the best day of his life and the worst day of his life. Mm. It was the best day because he says of all the uniforms he wore, Nobody touched him except when he was a priest. When he was a, as a priest, he says, everybody touched me. They all walked up and they said they usually grab my wrist for some reason. They'd walk up and grab his wrist. They'd talk to him. He says, if you're walking by on the street, people hold eye contact with the priest much longer than they ever did in any other job or even him as a person. And people saw him overwhelmingly as a positive experience. They, they wanted to engage him. Many more people talked to him. People came up and just started sharing their problems with him. I mean, we know, like, we, we are oftentimes seen as free counseling, right? We're not going to charge people. They come to us and they share their problems. And I that's one thing I love about the job. But the story that was amazing, and, and um, you ever heard the story of Sir Alec Guinness? When he was making um, the Chesterton movie, he was doing a Father Brown, and he was playing the Father Brown, the priest. Mm. This is before he was Catholic. So he, the guy that played Obi-Wan Kenobi, he converted in the 40s to Catholicism. And he was on the set, and he was dressed as a priest, as Father Brown. He was walking home, just walking down the streets of London, and a kid just walked up to him and grabbed his hand and started walking down the street with him, like this little kid. And he said, it was this moment, let me, let me see the quote right here. 
He says, continue my walk. I reflected that a church that could inspire such confidence in a child, making priests, even when unknown, so easily approachable, could not be as scheming or as creepy so as so often made out. I began to shake off my long-taught, long-absorbed prejudices. Mm. Like from that one experience that this little kid just saw a priest. And like with me, my nieces and nephews, they have this thing where they'll, like if I'm holding them, they'll pull out my tab, the white tab, and then they'll jump out of my arms and go hide it somewhere. And I have to like go find the white tab. And so like for when they were really little, I'd write like I love Shaylee or I love Ryan on the back of it. So when they pull it out, they would see it on the tab. But like I, we always joked about, they're going to jump into some other priest's arms, rip his rip tab his out tab, yeah. and go take it yeah. off, you know. That's but the, these neither of these were priests. And so it's almost like when people say, oh, I'm going to be homeless for the weekend, and they go sleep in a box for the weekend, and they think they know what it's like to be homeless. It's like, no, you don't. Right. You know you have a house. You know you have – like homelessness can involve such just despair because you know you have nowhere to go. You can't be homeless for a weekend and think you know what it's like. These uh, these They obviously didn't know what it was like to be a priest because we lived that. <laughs> But it was over for Esquire, and then I think it was Church Pop or something who did the one on Sir Alec Guinness. But it was it was really beautiful to read people who for one day got the experience and of of walking around looking like a priest and it being overwhelmingly positive because they were wearing their clerics. Interesting. I wonder also if it's regionally based. You know, like in the Midwest in Chicago, there's more of a culture for priests and. But out in Denver here, I feel like it's much more secular and people are, I feel like we're getting to a point where it's so secular in some places, you know, that they don't even know what it means. Right. I mean, I meet people who, they don't even understand what this yeah. collar is. Yeah. I mean, and they're just being sincere. Yeah. But then I there are other too. parts of the United States that are, where they re- recognize that I can think of three or four meals I had out with a group of college kids, like maybe up in the mountains or something. Yeah. I'd have 20 or 25 kids at a table at some pizza place or something, and I was in clerics, and we'd pray. And then somebody would anonymously pick up the tab for the whole table. Yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff happens yeah. still. And um, you, you just, you know, you never know what's going on there. So it's just such a wide variation depending on if you're at Whole Foods and uh, in Cap Hill or if you're up in Boulder versus if you're in, you know, small-town America still. Right. It's just going to be a very different experience, it seems to me. Yeah. I, I've also been kind of accosted at a car wash just by the guy actually taking my money for the car wash that just went on went off on me for as long as I would just go through the transaction. But I, I have to say that you've said that, John, I think it's true. I get more people who don't know what it means than are angry about it. Right. Yeah, that you kind of, I mean, oftentimes people will just think I'm a bartender because I wear the vest. Right. They're like, oh, you right. service industry. Well, kind of, but not what you think. <laughs> and then you find yourself in these weird situations Um where you, you just you're just like okay this is kind of tricky let me give an example so yesterday I met up with the Schlipman family Jay and Elise Schlipman Jay was in seminary for a year way back in the day married a wonderful girl they have uh, four kids now just had a little girl after three boys and number two Dominic John is my godson and so we went to Chipotle and then we went down to Wash Park and we're playing and um and they're just running around the playground and I'm sitting talking to dad on the side you know but they want to. They want me to play tag up yeah. on the, you know, where all the kids are on the playground, and I'm just like, uh, you know, kind of like this is just. I'm watching all the other parents are kind of like, and I'm trying to hang close to Jay, but it's just you still find yourself in these situations yeah. where you know. So I'd run out and tag him and run back out, but you find yourself like, okay, I'm at a 
playground and people are, you just feel like uncomfortable. And it's just, this is the, the, the life of the priest after, a, after the scandal, you yeah. know, and that those are moments that are just really kind of sad. And, uh, but you just, I don't know, you just try and be as natural and, uh, as you can. So I was in my first year of seminary in 2001. And so I was just a, you know, second year of seminary when the scandal hit. And the only time we'd wear clerics was at the hospital. And I remember when it was big, that's when I was the kind of the most aware of people's awkwardness around me. And I remember stepping into an elevator and a woman just like pulled her kid to the other side, right. you know. And I was like, well, I'm actually very surprised that now when I meet millennials or even people my age, it's been a while. I mean, I, I don't see the same reaction anymore. And I'm actually really surprised that 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 kind of prejudice, kind of picking out one priest and saying that, you know, because this was in the media for so long, even though, as we all know, it's the same percentage of just anybody else, which is it shouldn't be because priests should be more, of course, more pious and devout. But I, I think most people, when they see a priest, at least in my experience, that's kind of pretty far back on, on their radar mm -hmm. as far as them being, you know, someone who's going to be a sexual predator. Yeah, I had fun once. Uh, I took out my nieces. So uh, Stephanie, my sister-in-law, was working, and Mike was working. And I said, uh, "I'll I'll take the I'll take the girls for the day." And I was just out in my clerics, and um, you know, you just got you know three little girls. And I'm just like, I got two of them. Two of them like are holding my hands, and and Hannah's like you know walking in front and everything. And you know, like people didn't really like look at you like you know who is this guy and whatever else. I think they were just enamored with the idea of like, how does this guy have these three kids, you know, like, and yeah. they were totally at, you know, kind of at, at peace. Like, you know, we're just you know, going to different stores. I think we were going to Christmas shopping and everything. So, which is good for me because sometimes I'm so obsessed with other people's image of how I appear to them. Yeah. Um, that I'm like, actually like, this is fine. And they're fine with it. And so sometimes I think we think too much of it. Yeah. You know, um, and and people aren't people aren't having like those kind of inner monologues in their head. Sometimes they are. And sometimes rightfully so. You know, I've met I've I've encountered people that say, you know, I was, you know, abused. And I really appreciate the fact that you're out here showing a different side of the priesthood. Yeah. So. So I have a couple questions about wearing clerics because Father Daniel Eusterman and I have had a lot of talks about this. I don't know if this is in the okay. purview of our conversation, yeah, but let's do it. there's a huge variation of how priests wear clerics and people are really interested in this, like Catholic people. Like, mm. how does this work? When do you guys, like, how do you decide? Is it a uniform? What do you kind of do? So I'm kind of curious, first off, uh, what your guys' uh, typical response is and then also... Because there is a huge variation, and a lot of the new ordained guys, like Daniel, Father Daniel, will say to me, like, you're not in your clerics enough, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's a funny story of Father Dave Nix snowboarding in a cassock, <laughs> uh, and Mike DeGuidis totally described him as it looked like a ring rate, not a ring rate, what was those? Dementors. Harry Potter kind of flying down this because they were night skiing at Keystone and just like huge black figure kind of just so you got that one extreme and then you got the other extreme where guys actually some priests are offended by how often we wear them especially yeah. the cassock and uh, so you just kind of wonder like what is the kind of what is the right thing so I guess first question is for you guys uh, what do you tell people 
when they ask like how does this work with yeah. clerics i i generally say that in this generation you know in the year 2017 more people will engage you if you're wearing clerics than if you're not. And I think that wasn't always the case. I mean, when I was in seminary, I remember a priest saying, you need to not wear clerics sometimes because you're more approachable when you're not wearing clerics. And I found the exact opposite to be the case. More people approach me, certainly, and very few people will shy away if I'm wearing clerics. But when I was on my retreat before being ordained father robert stanion who was one of the founders of the cfrs he was stationed in albuquerque and he gave me my priest retreat and i asked him that i said you know i'm i'm gonna be ordained in a week i'm really like zealous and i want to wear my clerics all the time like what do you think about that because he wore his habit all the time and he said my philosophy is that if you wake up in the morning and you want to wear your clerics don't and if you don't want to wear them do it was kind of like a sacrifice. So th this is a sign of the sacrifice. Um, I generally wear them all the time unless I'm doing laundry or, you know, something like that. But I'm on my day off and I just, you know, wake up and don't want to have to do it. Because, you know, I, I honestly wish I wore something a little more, not comfortable, but that couldn't get dirty as easy. And that. I'm, I'm very aware that when I'm wearing my clerics, I represent the church. So I want I don't want to look like a sloppy priest, you know. So, like, I, I'm wearing my motor. I rode my motorcycle today, and so I'm wearing jeans because it's like, you know, I'm riding on the freeway on the motorcycle, and it can get really dirty. Anyway, I know that's a, a cop out in many ways, but I would generally say I wear my clerics all the time. If I'm really having a bad day, and you know, I'm afraid I'm going to misrepresent the church, or I have actually not worn them on the plane because I know I'm just going to sleep the whole time, you know, and I and I don't want you know, look like, oh, that priest is passed out. To me, that just looks kind of weird. Um, but I, I don't personally judge anybody because I know that there are you some married people to say, I would never take off my wedding ring, you know, and yeah. married men will say that. I would, you know, your, your clerics are your wedding ring. They're the sign of your devotion. I said, well, not really because clerics are a sign of I can help you. Just because you're wearing a wedding ring doesn't, mean anything to the person other than we can't be in a relationship that's like that but wearing clerics usually means i'm a, i represent the church and i'm available to which is good to talk about whatever you need whenever you need to so i would say if, if a guy wakes up and is in a bad mood and just knows he's not going to represent the church well or represent our lord well no 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 issue with not wearing them uh, um well i was kind of formed in the wearing or not wearing of clerics by our venerable father, Raymond Goronsky, who was a Jesuit, uh, who actually wore his clerics, which was pretty unique for him. Um, and uh, so, I mean, there were certainly times where we would go out, you know, Starbucks or botanical gardens or to a restaurant or something like that. Or, you know, he'd be, he'd be in something else, you know, and he was just as comfortable engaging people in, you know, his, you know, plain clothes as he was in his clerics. But he, there is a good story about him where he deliberately didn't wear his clerics on a plane because he knew that he was going to be running after like, you know, the next, you know, for the next flight. And he's like, I will push people out of the way. I have no problem with that. <laughs> and I do not want them to get a bad image yeah. of the church. So, yeah. um, you know, I would say it's like about 90, 10 for me. You know, like most of the time I'm in my clerics. When I change out of my clothes in the evening, it's usually out of my clerics. Um, but on my day off 
or sometimes when I'm with my family, you know, it's like, I don't need to, you know, or like golfing, you know, but I've been with people before that have worn their clerics golfing and I'm like, what are you doing? And then sure enough, on the seventh (laughs) tee, a guy pulls up and says, are you actually a priest? And then it's like, yep. And the person who's wearing cleric says, yep. And I just go, just keep it quiet, you know, just drinking my Coors Light. And you love to wear those Hello Kitty pajamas, you know, in the evening. So True. you got to kind of make sure you get well, out of Hello, those. So. Hello Kitty onesie. Onesie, that's right. That so. is funny. Somebody asked me one time, do you wear clerics to sleep? Right. Because they had never seen me out of them. Right. And I said, no, like we have special footy pajamas. <laughs> They're all black and they have a little white collar on them. And I'm like, I would love to have like full body priest footy pajamas, yeah. all black with a little footies. white collar that pulls out. Yeah. I go to the mountains a lot, um, and when I was at CU Boulder, there was a couple students who never came to Mass, but they would come on these outdoor trips. Uh, yeah. So I ran into them one time in Clerics okay. in Boulder, and they were like, whoa, <laughs> dressed up today. And I was like, this is what I normally wear, but you right. guys were always hiking and you know, or something in the mountains. But there's a lot of interactions where when I'm hiking, like I'm thinking I was on Sunlight Peak a couple days ago, 14er down in the San Juans with Ryan Kent and uh, met this guy at the top. And we were kind of climbing together, older guy. And he's like, you know, we start talking. Then what do you do? And then you get into it. And then they're just totally shocked. So yeah. there's a way of sometimes it disarms them. Yeah. And then, bam, you kind of pop them with it. Yeah. But I do tell people it's the normative dress of the priest. It's not a uniform because mm-hmm. this is not a job. Right. This is our normative dress. Yep. Uh, but then there are situations that really need to be considered. You know, for example, what are we wearing tomorrow for the Isakoff concert? You know, right. um, because Usterman and I were talking about this, you know, we, uh, I went, to, uh, there's this concert that Isaacoff does every year, the day before New Year's Eve, right? Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Um, and I went one time with Sunit and my sister and my brother-in-law and I wore clerics. Mm-hmm. It was just me, you know, and this is like 50 super hipster secular people in a kind of a, an old mining lodge way up in gold, Gold Hill, Colorado, real small, intimate crowd uh, that would be probably most likely hostile to the faith. I was in clerics, no big deal. But then the next year, five of us went. Mm. And I thought if, and this is what Eusterman and I were just kind of processing through, if five of us walked into this place in clerics, um, it would just be, it feels like it would just be kind of, it would actually detract our ability to relate Mm. to people. And little did we know, Global here had befriended half of the bar that night and was buying <laughs> drinks for everybody on my tab. Thank you very much, <laughs> including your favorite Telemachia. That's right. <laughs> the name is Liming. The name is if Liming is listening, he's uh, Telemachia. He's been Telemachian since 1960. So it was an interesting conversation, you yeah. know, in the sense. And so I'm curious. I, we'll see what we do tomorrow. You yeah. know, I I, w- I actually thought about that. I was planning on wearing clerics, but keeping the collar open like I normally do. But I'm open to input. The collar open's an interesting move. I kind of think I weirded out my college students at Bernardi who are listening. Shout out. Some of whom are coming out next week. But I just do it because it's just more comfortable. And I don't like being kind of dressed up, you know. Maybe it's just kind of a casual thing. But the Birkenstocks, I've had a number of people Mm -hmm. stop me on the streets and comment on... The Birkenstocks, you know, with clerics, and if you're Mike yeah. Rapp, it's the camouflage flip flops, you know, <laughs> with clerics because there's something about at least in the West where you doing all right? 
Night night. The uh, there's something about in the West. We'll wrap it up here in a second. Where um, they expect us to take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so the collar's open. You got Birkenstocks on. And again, there's, you know, there's times to dress to be formal. But there's something about the formality of clerical culture that they expect, and yeah. it, it do, does disarm them when they see, oh, he wears Birkenstocks. Yeah. Well, I had somebody say once, they're like, priests have to wear the same thing. Like you're all wearing black pants. You can't really be really, you know, like, ex, you know, exotic with that, you know, unless you're Mike Rapp and you wear the pinstripe suit. Um, and you pretty much have the same clerics. There's not much variation. You have the high collar, you have the tab collar, you have the wraparound collar, whatever. But they said, if you want to know a priest, look at his watch, his belt, and his shoes. Hmm. Yeah. Which is part of the reason why. I've had the same pair of Birkenstocks resold for the last five years, um, four, four years. Um, I don't really wear a watch, and if I do, it's like an old Casio. You wish you had Indiglow. Indiglow. <laughs> Father John had to get a new watch because uh, apparently he had purchased a woman's watch <laughs> and was wearing it for probably five years. Shout out Carrie Pearsall. Who gave me that gift of self-knowledge. I was, I was there when he was like, Hey, by the way, uh, why are you wearing a woman's watch? It was really cool. Just fit my wrist really well. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, my belt. You know what? You invest in belts. I Maybe you'd say the same thing, you know? Yeah. Crappy belts. TJ Maxx belts oh, yeah. are garbage. Yeah. Garbage. They wear out in like less than six months, okay? Right. I need something heavy duty that can support like, you know, the Dunlap. Because my belly done lap, you know? Um, so I have had the same belt since eighth grade. Eighth grade. Um, and then I just recently bought a nicer belt after I got ordained from Eddie Bauer. It was 70 bucks. The thing has never, like, it hasn't, like, stretched. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or, like, broken the and, belt. And if you're strangling thing. someone, you need it to hold up. Yeah. Piano wire? Come yeah. on. My friend Tucker Kinney is a master of adding holes to the belt. So if you need that, you know, okay. just, just putting that out there, you know. Yeah, the uh, I've actually had because I mean I wear I wear the reader's belt always. Um, I my I have a person that buys me shoes. So but also sometimes I'll wear these um, these Adidas um, with it. But generally I, I wear the blacker shoes. But I just real quick I I had I I've had many times where I've heard confessions in bars, in coffee shops, on airplanes. I was flying to World Youth Day, and the kid in front of me, literally on the plane, said to the girl across the way, I hate, I've shared this before on the podcast, I hate flying. If there was a priest on the plane right now, I'd go to confession right now. And the girl who had seen me kind of points back to me, and he flips over, and as soon as the plane got in the air, he just laid the seat back, went to confession right on the plane. Oh, cool. Like, and so I, like, those experiences are what made me think, I mean, the one time, like, I've actually had to judge and say, I can't hear your confession because you're too drunk. Like, people in bars will come up and say, me and my friends have a bet. Are you really a priest or is that a costume? Right. And then like as soon as I know it's really, and then like, well, can I go to confession? Like they want to kind of want to test you. Like, yeah, of course. But then like, they're like, no, you've had too many to drink. I, I, that wouldn't be valid, you know? But I, I, I really do think that it's those moments, those the moments that like began my discernment was general, just people on the street seeing the, the collar 
and and being inspired to, to confession, spiritual direction. I did anointing of the sick in the King Supers parking lot one time, the supermarket parking lot. Mm-hmm. Anoint- I had it in my car, and this guy came up to me in a wheelchair. He's like, are you a priest? Yeah, can I get anointing? I was like, hell yeah, you can get anointing, you know? And so I pulled it out of my car, gave anointing right there in the yeah. parking lot. It was it was a beautiful priestly moment. That was beautiful. Heaven, yeah. Heaven, yeah. The um, <laughs> uh, final thing I'll say on that is um, setting all this aside about the secularism and different people that we encounter are caustic. The majority of people are really are friendly. Yeah. There's a lot of surprises. I was walking out of the ale yeah. house yesterday. This guy just very, very courteous, just respect the office. And mm. we love, regardless of all the responses we get, I know I can speak on behalf of the three of us. We love wearing clerks. Yeah. We love it. And I wouldn't want it any other way. And it reminds us who we are as well as um, that the priesthood still exists. Yeah. And I think a lot of the looks and the gaps are the shock of young priests who are right. in the clerics, right. who are in the who are in the coffee shops and the bars in these places, and so I I think it's the absolute best. I I, I find it thrilling at yeah. times, you know, and um, so yeah, I'm grateful for it. People think it's a burden on us, but we just I don't know. Yeah. I think we love it. So I, I do too, and I think it's a sign of the radical availability that we have as priests that we want to give not only to our own parishioners but to the rest of the world. We really are priests for the world, and what we what priests have to offer through the sacraments and through blessings and stuff like that is, you know, I, I hope I never lose that zeal to say I can give something incredible to anybody who walks up to me. Mm-hmm. Anybody who walks up to me, if they ask for something, you know, our, our Lord's at work and through the hands of a priest, through blessings and through sacraments, and I hope I never lose my awe and my zeal to just keep on sharing that and the clerics kind of keep us honest i think in many ways as well with that amen yeah. amen shout out i'll get that loon tune yeah so my shout out first to lois sheehan my old friend from boulder who um we were talking to recently and she said tell father nathan loons do not mate for life but eagles and wolves do and he's pulling the uh his new tricep workout which is a loon can you get it into the uh there we go. Let's get that loon going. Not too difficult. Not too hard. There. <laughs> Do we know who that's from? You got the name? Yep. Shout out to whoever gave the loon. Shout Frank out. Morris. Frank Morris. Thank you for the loon tune. It's uh, Father Nathan's new play toy. <laughs> Frank Morris from Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. So, Lois, uh, thanks for listening. Frank Morris, thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, Audrey Emma, a shout out. My old friend who lives in uh, Tulsa. <laughs> And Cody Stubblefield, <laughs> you're done. Okay, you're okay. done. <laughs> Cody Stubblefield, her husband, who just started listening to the podcast. I love this when our, fr- our- get out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, like a child. The uh, I like it when our old friends, their friends or their husbands. Uh, <laughs> I don't trust you. Start listening and say, "Hey, do you know this podcast? Do you know these people?" And they're nice. like, "Oh my gosh, I knew them." You yeah, know, they think they're cool, but they're not. So, Andrew, thanks for listening. And then, lastly, to uh, Jackie Fankel, whose sister Mandy listens, as well as her husband Keithel, who are celebrating their first wedding anniversary. I taught these guys, told us to us way back in the day at Nativity in Broomfield. It's crazy. Everybody's growing up. And then, lastly, Amy Mala, who's staying with the Golder family from Lookout Mountain, Tennessee. We stayed at the Golder Cabin this summer. And we were there five years ago. Amazingly generous people, Stephen, Barb, Golder, and Amy. Uh, thanks for hanging with the Golders this summer, and thanks for listening to the podcast. All right, I have uh, one shout-out, and she's gotten mad at me every time she listens to the podcast. I do not shout her out. Um, so Marissa Evans, now Marissa Welsh, pressure of mine, who moved to Alaska to find a man because she couldn't find one here in Denver, which I totally get. But she found one right away. She married him, and uh, I did their wedding. In, actually, I did not do the wedding. Her brother did her wedding. I can celebrate 
He got ordained one Saturday and then celebrated her wedding the following Saturday. It was beautiful to watch a, uh, and they're the only two children of the family. So he got ordained a priest and and seven days later, eight days later, married his sister to her husband. And it was just beautiful. And so those parents had a whirlwind week of both of their kids getting vocationed off like within a week of each other. It was just this beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, Anyway, she said, I am supposed to say shout out to Marissa Welsh. She was a beautiful bride and she's one of my favorite people in the world. So I'm quoting her there, what she wanted me to do for shout out. So shout out, Marissa. (laughs) You got your shout out. God bless you. Love you. And uh, be good and uh, enjoy marriage. All right. So this is the letter from Frank Morris. Uh, My wife, Teresa, and I are loyal listeners in Chicago. And yours and Father Michael, Mike, and John's wisdom, humor, and commitment have helped us deepen our faith. Ever since hearing from Lori Brown about her family's generous waterfowl decor gift, I've been on the hunt for the perfect loon item to send to you. I found this loon tune at an outfitter while my wife and I were camping in Sleeping Bear Dunes, Michigan. Being the expert loon spotter from spending my summer in the Northwoods, I could sense the tune's perfect replication of an authentic loon call hope it brings you and everyone in the podcast hours hours of enjoyment just don't drive anyone crazy with it it's a bit of a stretch frank but thank you (laughs) anybody else yep last one um dear father john father mike father nathan and father michael about a year ago i found myself with a new job requiring a 20-minute commute and new to me car that had bluetooth which was super fancy technology i'd never used before I was trying to think of ways to try it out and make my driving time more meaningful, and I remember that a friend had recommended your podcast. Uh, From the first episode after rediscovering Catholic stuff, I was hooked. I had recently begun and was making progress on a journey of spiritual and emotional healing. Twice per day during my commute, I listen to you guys be silly, tell stories, and explore fascinating truths of this amazing, outrageous life of faith. Every episode... Whether the outrageous banter or the authentic self-reflection or something in between remind me of God's goodness and my own goodness. Please accept our gift, which is a stamp that says heretical nonsense for research purposes only. (laughs) One of you said recently about picking up Nietzsche uh, or some similar unorthodox author to read, so we thought you might enjoy categorizing your books and avoid scandalizing anyone who visits your office and sees crazy titles on your shelf without clearly visible trigger warnings. Would you please give a shout out to my place of employment? I work for an organization called Tobit, Theology of the Body Evangelization Team, whose mission is to share theology of the body with people of all ages. Our current project is the development of an age-appropriate theology of the body curriculum for children grades K through 8 called The Body Matters. We have a few of the book titles currently available and plan to have the entire project Completed in fall 2018. If interested, go to T O B E T. That's T O Black Entertainment Television. T O B E T dot org. Uh, sincerely, April and Alex Johannigman. 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 From Dallas, Texas. Vielen Dank, Johannigman. Well, there you go. I think we better wrap it there. Yeah. He's standing. He's got, got the final loon. Oh, he's screwing it up. Come on, get it together. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for your comments on Facebook. Please like us on it. And we'll get back to you next week. And Father Nathan will have perfected his loon sound. God bless. Oh, it's almost there.
It's over. It's over. <laughs> <laughs>